Dear Shooter, We are not known for hard-hitting investigative reporting, but sometimes we have to talk about the serious stuff. Legislatures in session and government at work. This is always dangerous to our gun rights. It's not about protecting the stupid. It's just, it is what it is. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a self-identifying llama. <laughs> and it, it's, it's because I oh. have a quick temper and I like to spit. You so. are not safe, and you are not sacred, and you're both liars. We're talking about firearms, y'all. I keep it clean. <laughs> I can hide one under there. One what? I don't want to know. I look like I got ran over by a tra- paint truck on the way to Sherman Williams, and then backed over by the short bus. You know, let's talk about the modern trends and transsexual transitions. <laughs> Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTech, empowerment through self-reliance, and by Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. And that intro must mean it's Thursday, and we've got Mark Jones from GOA with us, Gun Orders of America, to, to talk about uh, the Wyoming legislative session started today, and there's quite a few gun bills going through, and uh, Mark, hopefully you can help us kind of sort this out a little bit. Uh, I'll be happy to do my best, Jason. Um, it's a crazy time here in Cheyenne, but <laughs> thanks for having me on the show. Oh, we appreciate it. Um, well, just real quick, before we get too started in getting lost in the weeds of the bills and the numbers and the hoo-ha and politics, give the listeners a little bit of a process of how this works. Things are introduced, right? I mean, Civics 101. How does this work? Yeah, so, uh, we're, of course, we're talking Wyoming legislature. Every state's a little different, but in, in Wyoming, a, a representative can file one or more bills. They go through a process with legislative services uh, where it's supposed to be evaluated to make sure it's constitutional. And I say supposed to be, okay? So that's not a fail-safe in any way. But So they can file these bills and... Uh, it doesn't mean they get introduced. It means they're on the list. Um, it's ultimately up to the Speaker of the House or the President of the Senate whether or not to bring them to the floor. Now, in a case where the leader of one chamber or the other would try to hold something up, the members can force it to the floor by a two-thirds vote. So that it takes a pretty big majority to get something to the floor the leadership doesn't want to see that makes sense. And then once it's introduced, uh, if it passes introduction, it will go to a committee and a committee will usually amend it, uh, send it back to the full floor. For a bill to pass, it has to go through three votes on the floor and then it has to go over to the other chamber. They run it through the same rigmarole. If they change it significantly from the first chamber, they have to do a conference committee to, to settle the differences and both chambers have to approve the final version. So it's a pretty laborious process. So, okay, so we're all clear. The ones we're going to talk about tonight are just being introduced. Am I correct in that? Yeah, they're either... Actually, none of them have made introduction yet. Because the, So the, se- the session started today, 
and the speaker did not bring or neither the speaker nor the Senate president, to my knowledge, brought and I was there till almost quitting time. I didn't bring any gun stuff to the floor today, but we anticipate later in the week uh, uh, some things. Will. And, and, and part of that, too, is because there's kind of more pressing issues that they wanted to get through first. Yeah, it's a budget session. In, in Wyoming Constitution, the uh, even years are budget years. Odd years are general sessions. But we're, so we're in an even year. We're in a budget year. And their primary purpose is to deal with a budget. And they, so they dealt mostly with budget bills today. Sure. But they will get to the gun bills. They're coming. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the gun bills, too. So uh, the, the first one I wanted to bring up, and, and this is something that you and I talked about yesterday, um, you were you were telling me about a couple of bills coming to the floor that dealt with credit card purchases for firearms and the way that those are coded and the fact that the, the credit card companies can actually track those. Now, this came to the forefront actually today uh, for Jason and Brandy because of a, a purchased firearm with a credit card. Brandy. Yeah, what exactly does the credit card company get from these say i have a itemized receipt in front of me from today what do they get off this receipt well there's you can tell you what we know and i would always say there's always a caveat that it's possible that there's entities that can track things in ways that aren't known or legal okay but what we know is that there's a there's an effort from, I would call them anti-gun forces in the world and the country to track, to assign merchant category codes to businesses. And these are, uh, the one that's got us concerned and you concerned is the, is the firearms tracking code. So does and, that code actually, what all does it give? If they did track it, what does it give them? Well, the way it's supposed to work this it's really confusing to the public and, and here's the way it's supposed to work. They if if more than fifty percent of your business involves firearms, they can assign a merchant category code to your your business. Everything that's sold will show up as a firearms transaction. So let's say for example you're a mom and shop pop that uh, mom and pop shop that sells firearms and in Thermopolis, Wyoming, and you you know you sell ninety five percent of your items are firearms. They may assign a merchant category code to your business, and everything you sell will show up as a firearm. Okay. If you're Cabela's and only ten percent of your business is firearms, then everything may show up as a sporting good. In a way, it's discriminatory against businesses that sell predominantly firearms. I agree with you, but I'm going to say I'm somewhat relieved because on this itemized receipt today, Jason bought a gun for Lucid Optics using the Lucid Optics company card. It has his full name, his birth date, the gun he bought, the color of the gun, and the serial number, and the caliber. Yeah. So I was just wondering how much do they get? Well, Congress passed a law making... It's illegal for presidential administrations to keep a registry of firearms purchases. But, you know, Gun Owners of America disclosed a long time ago that the Biden administration was keeping one. So it's highly likely that's tracked anyway. But it's not exactly the same issue as this merchant codes for these credit card companies. 
and I'm not delusional. I know that I'm on the big nasty list. Um, <laughs> yeah. Almost everything I do is related to firearms in some manner or way, whether it's personal, recreational, or business. Um, it's just it, it's in my DNA. It's what I do. So if you're telling me that I'm going to get a business code assigned to my banking and then everything that goes through there, whether I buy lunch or if I buy ammunition, it'll be a firearm sale. What do they do with that information? They're, they're, they're collecting volume of dollars or what are they doing with it? I think the purpose of this in the mind of the anti-gun left is if they see and particularly in blue states like California, if they see someone purchase $4,000 worth of items in a day, they would flag that as someone who maybe did something bad. And you, you, all of us on this call would say, well, hey, the guy just, he had a good day. He got to go buy him a new gun and some and a nice scope and, you know, whatever. But the, the, that left, left looks at that as a bad thing. So they oh, want to flag oh, that. I bought a nice fishing boat. Now I bought a gun somehow. Yeah, I didn't say it made sense. You have to get in the mind of the anti-gun left. <laughs> so, yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. My question then becomes, at what point is this a overreach and invasion of privacy? Well, I, we would argue that, that it's in, from the very beginning. The whole concept of merchant category codes where they can assign a business a code a firearm code, we would argue is anti-Second Amendment, is an overreach, you know, a violation of privacy. It's, it's, it's a violation of a lot of our American principles. I mean, at the end of the day, what I own is nobody's business. I agree 100%. Well, don't yeah, they know because a background check has been put in, so they know that a firearm was purchased. Well, Nixon, the ATF do, but yeah. the merchant, the banking, yeah. the people that control your money... They don't have any business looking as to what I buy. It's my money. Well, in companies like City, which has been openly anti-gun, there, I think it's happened, and I know they have threatened to do it. Uh, they would revoke credit privileges to some entities that sell too many of these nefarious devices so so basically they're they're moving towards like china's social responsibility act in a way that's what this is ultimately designed to do and is is exactly that to punish uh businesses it would probably run the small people out of business first because again cabela's only 10 or 20 percent of their Sales may be firearms. They may not get get them firearms code anyway. Right, but um, but but ultimately, what this is 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 it's assigning a social credit score. Now, this is something that's been talked about before, but but getting back to the actual bills that are being introduced into the Wyoming legislature. Now, the first one that is is actually up on on the legislative website. This was introduced by Crago, Representative Crago. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This is HB zero one five one. Um, and this is would it, basically it's a firearms code prohibition. So it wouldn't allow these credit companies to issue a firearms code to credit card purchases. However, this thing I'm, I'm looking at it, it's full of loopholes. Uh, yes, uh, we would agree. And we put out an alert to our members this morning 
expressing that exact concern that the bill doesn't really do anything. So it that gave a it a loophole. fancy favorable title. Yes. And buried a whole bunch of teeth in it? It it, it did. And that and that's the scary thing about legislation is you've got to read the fine print. Yes, and and you know, you see this in in most states and certainly in Wyoming, you see a lot of bills with really nice titles on a variety of issues, not just guns. And when you when you go read them, they don't actually do what they say they do. <laughs> so so how long before you know, the actual meeting when they all convene together do they get copies of this for review or are they just doing this live? Yeah, they, they all have access to the webs. They, they see this before the public does. They have their own system. Uh, what Jason has looked at is the YO Ledge website, which is available to public. It has to be up there before they can introduce it. They see it on their own computers before the public can. So theoretically, if a, if a legislator is doing their homework, they should know and about everything that's up there and everything that's possibly coming. But I will say leadership can play games. They get to pick the timing of the introduction for these things. They can hold things for days till people forget about them or think they're not going to get introduced. They, they pick their favorites to introduce first. That's the power of... Uh, of being in the leadership, you know, in a, in a particular legislative body. So, the, uh, and like, yeah, so that's what we're at the mercy of right now. So, Jason, the, this bill is what? So, this is called the Firearms Merchant Category Prohibition. Um, now, this is kind of the poison pill uh, version of this. There is another version out there yet to be introduced because they're still collecting co-sponsors on it. So I don't have a House bill. I don't have anything other than I know that Representative Alamand is putting this forward. Now, his is a one-page, very simple bill, um, and it has teeth uh, to prevent the credit card companies from collecting this data. Right, but it'll have a different number than yes. this one. Yes. So this yeah, number it'll be, is... It'll... So this one 150, is 151 is yep. the bad bill. Okay, 151. Say no to 151. Yep. What else we got on the desk? So uh, the the next two that I have, uh, they have to do with school security. Now mm -hmm. Wyoming's been talking about this for over a year now uh, about expanding uh, concealed carry on campus and also arming and training teachers. Now the first one is uh, HB 102. This is the school safety and security amendments. And what this would allow is that anybody who has a concealed carry permit in Wyoming would be allowed to carry on campus. Employed by the school district or not? No. Yep, yep, exactly. So anybody that, that has a, a valid Wyoming concealed carry permit would be allowed to carry on campus. Doesn't that make it kind of rough because then somebody has to check that they have their concealed carry to come on well, that's the point behind a concealed carry. Nobody's checking. Exactly. So, uh, now, I don't know. Uh, I'm in favor of it I off think, its face. But one, one point, Jason, I think you said House Bill 102. What it, I believe 125 is the um, gun-free zones. Um, 102, 102 is the school safety, right? Yeah, 102 is school safety and security amendments. It allows for possession of firearms on school property as long as you have a valid Wyoming concealed carry permit. Okay. Okay. The, What's the problem yeah. with this one? I, I really don't there, see one. I'm, I'm all in favor. 
Yeah, there's not any problems with that from from DOA's perspective. We we support the concept that law-abiding citizens should be able to carry on school property. The and the reason for the that you, they have to have a concealed carry permit is that is the way to get around the federal law. The Federal Gun-Free Zones Act has a has a an exemption in it for a state-issued permit. Right. So you cannot carry on school property under constitutional carry that we have in Wyoming constitutional carry. You know, you right. do not need a concealed carry permit. Most of us have it for travel and reciprocity. But that would also provide the loophole around the federal law. All the Wyoming legislature has to do is make a minor change to our statutes. You could carry on school grounds with a concealed carry permit. Now, and three states, three states already allow that unfettered, no, no restrictions. And four states allow that with some restrictions. So it's not like this is not happening already. Okay. Now, one thing with with this one especially is I've I, I've heard of and and seen some opposition from some places you wouldn't expect. Um, now, and 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 I'm not going to name names because, like I said, I, I I have yet to get them on the record. But one of the thing is is I, I've always disagreed, and I'm an instructor. Like I make my living training people. Um, but I disagree with government mandated training. Um, however, I think that it is the responsibility of gun owners to be trained. Um, I think that's part of what makes you a a responsible gun owner. And I think if you go back to the way the second amendment is written, that's what they're actually talking about when they talk about a well-regulated militia. And what you're talking about here is the difference between a regulation and a PR campaign. If it's a responsibility, you got to convince people it's a good idea. Right. If it's a regulation, you can force them. Right. I, so I don't think it should be forced. I agree. Yeah, we certainly would agree with that. You know, a person has Second Amendment rights. The government shouldn't put restrictions on those rights. But, yeah, I mean, you have personal responsibility to, to, to be safe and ethical and know what you're doing and all that, just as you do with a car or any other tool so sure i mean uh-huh. it, it's it's no different than than the government requiring a spelling test before you exercise your first amendment rights i mean if that was the case wilson he couldn't I'd say anything so much trouble <laughs> hey now i got a hold of the, the really big words it and the i did that yesterday <laughs> well, i just thought we could keep you quiet if we just told you you know don't say words you can't spell i'd be in really bad trouble <laughs> what else we got on the desk? So uh, the the second one, um, and this is uh, Senate file. This is uh, 086, and this is the school safety and security funding. And this talks about opening up uh, standardized training for teachers that want and, and school administrators, anybody that's uh, uh, you know employed by the school district, to be able to get training and carry in school. Who sets the standard? I'm just thinking, wouldn't that be, if the other bill is passed, wouldn't that be a moot point? Yes and no. I think the teachers need access to training. Not necessarily. If I could interject, guys, the Wyoming statutes already allow school districts to train and arm teachers. Good. So only five of our 48 districts are taking advantage of the opportunity that already exists in Wyoming law. 
Well, what I was saying so, about making one a moot point is the other one is allowing anyone with a Wyoming concealed carry to carry basically on school grounds, right? The school or the gun-free zones. Right. So that bill would just make this one a moot point because if a teacher already has concealed carry, they can already carry. Yeah, but yeah, I would but also interject. Sorry, Mark, I don't mean to walk on you. But no, go ahead. Th this speaks more to training of the employees of the school district. And I'm in favor of that because so higher level training, yeah, higher for level training, because carrying in a school as uh, somebody that's responsible is a different mindset than a concealed carry person. Like for myself, if I was to visit my daughter on campus with my concealed carry permit, I could stay armed and go enjoy the event. Right. This is talking about the teachers. This is the, the faculty. I think this is a really good plan. But who sets the standard for the education? Mark, it's in statute. Mm -hmm. The training is already set in statute. Yeah, and and this has been it, it's been in place for almost a decade now. Wonderful. All right. So this bill yeah. is doing what then? It says it's opening up. Well, it, what it does is it, it it opens up competition for other other training companies to to be able to compete to to train these teachers. Right now, um, there is one company that's doing this, um, and. It, if I'm if I may be so bold, I think they're they're charging the state an exorbitant amount. They're having these teachers go out of state to get the training. Um, I think there's a better way. I would agree with that. We have competent trainers right here in the state. Well, and, and guys, this will it will make more money available. One of the excuses school districts have used, and remember, five out of forty-eight use it use the program use the law that, that's available. One of the excuses they've used is it costs too much. Mm -hmm. This would take, would blunt that excuse a little bit because there will be money available for training. Yes. Um, and there's a companion bill that is been introduced in the House or will be that would do a PR campaign or an advertising campaign to inform the parents of Wyoming about the program. Because a lot of people feel like, myself included, and a lot of legislators, if parents around Wyoming knew about this, there would be more of a demand to the school districts. I, I think you're exactly it. right, because we, we kind of looked at this in, in, here in Fremont County. And there was going to some of these meetings with, with the school district, there were so many people that weren't even aware that this existed in Wyoming. And, you know, you get your normal opposition. Um, but there was the people that they, they didn't even know that, that this was available. Yes, and that's the point of the two bills. One is awareness. The second is to blunt the excuse that it costs too much. Now, frankly, I believe that's an excuse. When you look at how much money we spend, like nineteen dollars to $20,000 to educate a child in Wyoming, and when you look at what training actually costs in the grand scheme of things, it's not that much. So I really, but I, but I believe that, that providing more money will take that excuse away. Well, and you're exactly right. When you start talking $19,000, $20,000 per student. Now, if you aggregate that, uh, of what it would take to, to keep a teacher's credentials up in a year, uh, you know, one teacher's teaching you know depending on elementary high school whatever they may have 50 60 students 
that they're that they're teaching in that that calendar year that school year you're you're talking maybe pennies on the dollar really yeah fraction of what they're spending on those kids and you they could they could do the training if they wanted to you know they built a three million dollar covered walkway at, at one of the schools in Wyoming so the football team could walk from the school to the field <laughs> they could find the money to train teachers now but it <laughs> but, doesn't but, have to be the price that they're currently paying but I no, do yeah, believe the instructors yes. can need to be vetted for that program because they are learning something a little higher than basic pistol agreed I would hope that in a budget session and this opens up the, the, the purse a little bit, and it also takes a look at the the curriculum and who gets to teach it. Because if it doesn't do that, I mean, competition is going to benefit everybody. I think it'd also be great if they could vet several, maybe four within the state. That way nobody really has to travel. Because if it's easier, more teachers will do it. Agreed. And and I think I think the state needs to focus more on vetting the instructors than the teachers. Um, it's the instructor's job to vet the teachers. But uh, yeah, the, it, 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 and, at the end of the day, you've got to know what's being taught, and there has to be a standard, which fortunately already exists. And, and one point about all this is that the, school, the schools are, you know, they have a lot of lobbying power, I'm going to be frank with you, a lot of influence on the legislature. And they've always wanted, you hear the word local control. You hear that all the time. We don't want you telling us what to do. We want local control. We want local control. So the legislature has given a lot of the leeway to the school boards in the statutes. That'll be good. So right right now, school board in your district where you live could choose to arm and train staff and contract with you to train them. They could do it right now. Right. I like it. So we I mean, like the last so two bills. They, they have hid behind, they've always, I'm going to say they, some school districts have kind of blamed it on the legislature, blamed it on the money, blamed it on everything but themselves. And frankly, they can do it right now, gentlemen and ladies. <laughs> <laughs> That's encouraging. It's been yeah. a long fight to get here. And, it has. And Well, okay, you talked about the PR stuff. Uh, you know, the parents don't know this is, this exists. How many of of the school districts, the uh, the school administrators in 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 the the school boards know that this exists? I would say most of them know. I doubt there's many statutes that deal that that impact the way they operate that they don't know about. Okay, I think it's one they choose not to tell the public about because you take a place like um, a rural county in Wyoming, if the parents understood that the school districts could do this, I think there would be a high demand. Because we, we all know school, school shootings are in the news all the time. Everybody's concerned about school safety. I think you're I think absolutely you're right, especially when it comes to the rural school districts, because a lot of the rural districts, they don't get that resource officer because there's just they're, there's not that kind of manpower available. Even if they do get the resource officer, he can't be everywhere at once. Right. Right. Like Riverton, I wouldn't consider a huge town. We only have one resource officer. And if something happens on one side, on one floor, and he's on the opposite side, he isn't getting there, y'all. He's not getting there. Yeah, that's a great point you're, you're all making. And one other point I'd like to make, 16 states 
have a law similar to Wyoming's where the it's really up to the districts, okay? And I think the best, one of the best adoption rates has been Texas. It's like 33%. But, and not, you know, we pray that it doesn't happen, but there has yet to be a fatal school shooting in a district with armed teachers and staff. It's a huge deterrent because all these laws are written to make it illegal to disclose the identity of the armed people. I mean, the, the, the principals know, the lo local law enforcement knows, but they can't tell the public. Right. Uh, uh, an anti-gun person can't can't disclose this to someone because that would be dangerous. So it's it's a huge deterrent. You don't know if the football coach has got a gun or the janitor or the English teacher or maybe all three of them. Well, and you, you're exactly right. And if you, if you look historically at a lot of these mass shootings, I mean, look at the, the Arvada shooter, uh, the theater shooter. He specifically went past, what was it, three or four other theaters to pick the one that he chose in Arvada because they had a gun. It was a gun-free zone. He knew mm -hmm. he was going in against unarmed opposition. Yep. I That's think true. part of the problems here is is the boards. So the boards hold public meetings. Mm -hmm. And the only people who go to meetings are people who want to complain. I mean, it works on social media that way, too. You never get the guy that goes, great job. I'm in for this. Let's do it. You get the ones who complain. Well, and we, then the board feels like they do not have community support, and they don't talk about it. We went to a handful of these uh, school board meetings here in Fremont County, and the thing that, that I took away from all of those meetings is the school board is horribly uneducated about the situation. Um, we st had a small conversation with them about critical issues and the potential of medical training being inserted into the, to the curriculum to be trained, and the light bulb went off. You saw a bunch of aha moments. If it was presented in the right way, they'd all get on board. But it needs to be presented. Yeah, and that's part of the reason for the awareness campaign. And and ultimately, it's up to parents. I mean, the awareness campaign will hopefully encourage parents to go do that educating. But... You know, I can't go all around Wyoming educating school boards. They don't care what I think. They care what parents think that live in their district. <laughs> well, you're labeled. The second you walk in the door, here's the Gun Owners of America guy. They exactly. know what your opinion is. <laughs> it's got to come from parents. I agree. You know, ultimately, parents are responsible for, for this. And and I'm hoping that the awareness campaign and, and the additional funding will help us see these programs adopted by more and more school boards. Agreed. All right. Well, I got, I got, I got one more for you guys. But before we get into it, we got to pay some bills. So give us about thirty-five seconds, and we'll be right back. Okay, guys. The Tenth Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company, based in Vail, Colorado, high up in the Rocky Mountains. Tenth Mountain is a tribute company to the legendary Tenth Mountain Division, maker of fine spirits including bourbon, rye, and vodka, as well as being a generous supporter of the shooting sports and veterans charities. Support those that support us, and to make it easier, 10th Mountain is offering our listeners a discount. Just enter Deer Shooter at checkout for 10% off. 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirits Company, whiskey worth fighting for. Man, I didn't even make my run for more whiskey on that, but here we go. Um, so the last bill that I that I printed off and, and kind of read through today uh 
it's House Bill 176, and this is the Restoration of Civil Rights Amendments. Um, what this does is it allows for felons to regain their rights once they've paid their dues, uh, including gun rights. So where do you guys all sit on this? I thought they couldn't get their gun rights back unless it was nonviolent or, you know, does it have a... No, it, it, this does say nonviolent. Nonviolent, no domestic violence, no violence. I think some of the wording on that's going to have to be amended because we're going to need to be very specific in the verbiage to how the courts use uh, a, a violent felony. It's called an aggravated felony. Well, and don't we already, we know somebody that's gotten their rights back. So yep. I think that's something that's already there. Maybe not as, not exactly like that one's read. And, but in my opinion, and you guys can weigh in, but if you've gone through the process, paid your dues, um, you've paid your debt to society for whatever it was you did, um, I think your rights should be restored. You paid your debt to society, my opinion. So, so Mark, where does GOA sit on this? Yeah, this one is, is very complex. Uh, we support nonviolent felons having an opportunity to get their rights back. Um, but you have to go back to last year to understand this fully because the legislature made some major mistakes last year. Um, Senator Barlow from Gillette ran a bill called Restoration of Rights, and the stated purpose was to restore rights to nonviolent felons. Okay. But there were two major mistakes were made. <clears throat> Number one, prior to last year, Wyoming law did not even revoke the rights of nonviolent felons in the first place. It was a it was a federal issue. And Barlow convinced people that in order to restore nonviolent felons gun rights at the federal level, you had to revoke them under state law first. That was not true. And we fought that. Our attorneys wrote extensive documents on how that wasn't necessary. The restoration of rights process is very complex, but that was that was a fallacy. That passed by one vote. We almost killed it. But so they essentially they put gun control in the Wyoming statutes last year that never existed prior to 2023. Right. The other major mistake they made was that they when someone has their rights restored, they are instructing the Department of Corrections, which is the a, the state agency responsible for monitoring this, to notify the ATF. The ATF is is not obligated to communicate with the FBI, and they largely do not. So what can happen is a person could get their rights back under state law and go try to buy a firearm through the, Fed, the, uh, the system that's run by the FBI. So it was a huge mistake that potentially set people up who have nonviolent felons to get in trouble with the federal government. That's the genesis for the bill you referenced that Representative Haraldson ran. He's trying to fix the problems that were created last year. And that, that, that's kind of Bye. the way I read it. Now, let, let me back you up for a second, because you talked about uh, the ATF not talking with the FBI. Now, wasn't that what part of, well, I, and not that I supported it anyway, but wasn't that part of what the Patriot Act was supposed to fix? Was these government agencies not talking to each other? 
I think that was one of the expressed intents of the, of that act. Um, and you know, that's boy, that's a big discussion about the, the, the pros and cons of that act, but they are not obligated in any way when they're notified to tell the FBI. So the state made a huge mistake. So, um, is, so is that something that we need to start looking at? Is the the ATF and the FBI and the NSA and, and and a lot of these surveillance agencies talking to each other? Because it seems like every time we have one of these mass shooters, especially in schools, you, you know, the FBI, you just you wait for it. Yep, they were on our radar. <laughs> you know, that's probably that would be a federal issue. Obviously, not one we could resolve in Cheyenne, but yes, there there, there probably is a need for for more communication between those agents. Um, but right now, in my view and in the view of GOA, a nonviolent felon has to be very careful um, until this law is fixed about going and purchasing a firearm. Okay, and just I'm spitballing here from a what should be. Um, in the stopgap, is there a mechanism for a nonviolent felon who has petitioned and restored their rights properly through the channels to then take that information and, again, upon them, responsibility, take it to the FBI and make sure that their name gets cleared for that? Or is there no mechanism whatsoever for the private individual? You know, I really don't know if the FBI would listen to them. I certainly would before, if I was a nonviolent felon, before I would try to buy a gun, I would sort that out, honestly. Um, but because there is an official process states are supposed to go through to notify um, the federal agency that monitors sales, which is the FBI. You guys know that quite well, right? Sure. Yep. There, there's a specific process states are supposed to go through in communicating with the FBI. And that was a that was a mistake that was left out of this bill. So... Yeah, can a person do it? I don't know. I mean, I really that would be a question for a lawyer and a but an individual. But the state is kind of failing people, in my opinion, because they're issuing certificates signed by the governor of Wyoming that say you have your rights back. But there's a clear flaw in that law. And we've even had people at work in corrections admit that off the record. I'm hoping some of those, I'm not gonna name them tonight, but I'm hoping some of them will come and testify for this bill, because they know it's wrong. They know that it's wrong. Because as, as an FFL, um, somebody comes to us, right, and they say they have their rights restored. We'll go ahead and run the 4473, but we go right to a NICS check, which is the FBI's database. The FBI, yep. And it's a pass or fail discussion. And if we, you know, they fail, we just don't get to sell them the gun. Right. Now, let's not be naive. If somebody gets denied through a formal process, they're going to find a buddy and get one anyway. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan well, of that. That's actually a crime now. That's a, if, the, if the buddy knows the person's a prohibited person and buys them a gun, that's a crime. Well, they'll go to a family member or buys them one for Christmas. Hey, I've got my rights restored. But if they know they're a prohibited person and they buy them a gun, it's a crime. But I'm they, just, you know. Yeah, it's a family member. I got my rights restored, right? And here's my yeah. governor's is, certificate saying I have it. It's all official. As long as you stay in the state and the state recognizes it. Right. Is it a problem? Oh, it's always a problem if, we, if the federal agency. We still do with a NICS check on a, <laughs> on a 
a legal sale of a firearm. Okay, we live in small town Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Not everything requires a NICS check. I'm going <laughs> to just put it out no, there. No, it happens all the time. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but they wouldn't get in trouble if RPD busted through their door because they have their rights restored. They wouldn't get in trouble for owning it. Right. Well, that's the thing about being pulled over and... They're going to run you through their little system. So what we're is saying is system? it's like marijuana in Colorado. That's federally a no-no. But it's okay in Colorado, so Colorado overlooks that. Hmm. Well, and it shouldn't be like that, though, because the Wyoming, the Wyoming law can be written to where there's, there's realistic re- restoration of rights with, with proper notification to the proper federal authorities so that a, a well-meaning nonviolent felon is not put in a difficult position. And that's what that bill is all about. Representative Harrelson, we, we fully support it. We, we reviewed it. We helped with him with it. We fully support what he's trying to do is to fix the problems in the Wyoming statutes. Good. Right. I'm going to ask you to get your crystal ball out now. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> we've got three here that Jason's went through, and we're in favor of them. They're going to do good things, yep. right? Um, mm-hmm. What are the chances of these actually making it to discussion this year? 50%, 20%, 100%? Yeah, you know, I think that the Speaker has promised the gun-free zones bill will actually get a floor vote this year. Uh, last year, he, he sent it to a kill committee. And I use words like that. Kill committees are where leadership sends things to die. Committees that are stacked with people who believe like leadership. He sent that bill to appropriations last year. That's your finance committee. It should have went to judiciary, but he sent it to appropriations. Uh, He's promised this year he won't do that. He'll send it to judiciary. And we have three GOA-endorsed representatives on judiciary. So we got a pretty good chance that it will get a fair hearing and on Judiciary Committee that it will go to the floor, get a vote, um, unlike last year where it, it was not given a fair shot. Um, so that one's got a shot. The school bills, I think, have a really good shot because, you know, how do I phrase this? Um, school safety is such a... Boy, it's one of them that you, if you're a politician and you're put on the spot, you don't want to be wrong. I mean, and, and this is putting them on the spot, right? Yeah. I mean, so I think the school safety one might, both of those may have a shot. Uh, they may actually put more money in the training one. I mean, I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see them add money for training instead, you know, because usually, well, they're usually fighting about money, right? They may actually throw more money at that one. Um, right. And I hope they do, because we, we, Lord, we spend a lot of money on education in Wyoming. We spend millions and millions of dollars on football fields and covered walkways. We can train our teachers to protect our kids, you know. So I think the school one's got better shots than any of them. I think gun-free zones is a 50-50 thing. Uh, it'll get a better, it's got a better chance than last year. Uh, the credit card ones, they are so confusing that I don't know what to predict with those. I really don't. It's just confusing to the People try to understand what these banks and financial institutions are doing and how it impacts people. And, and, and there's laws, you know, 
if you do this in Wyoming, it affects business in other states, and it just gets really complex. And I don't know if they'll pass or not, but um, I hope I hope Representative Alaman's bill does because it's very simple and it it masks those purchases in a way that people can't track them. Well, fingers crossed. Now, it, it just to kind of end this on a little bit more fun note as we're walking out the door here. Now, sure. what exactly do you do for GOA? Now, I know you 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 live and work in Wyoming, um, mm-hmm. and and I know you're very big into hunter education. Mm-hmm. What what else is your role with with uh, Gun Owners of America? So I'm a national director, and I'm a I am a, over our hunter outreach programs across the country. So the whole you know all fifty states. I'm also a certified wildlife biologist and once retired from that profession, so I actually understand that side of hunting. I hunt personally, too. And I deal with hunting issues at the federal level, protecting against things like lead ammo bans and and any kind of federal efforts to infringe on hunting rights. You know, that's a big part of my job. And then I'm, I live in Johnson County, Wyoming, so I'm, I've been passionate about the Wyoming legislature as well, I've, I've lobbied for GOA to let me handle that, too, because I live here. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of do that dual role, you know, when the legislature's in session. Was it Mark Plain that said no man's rights are safe when the legislature's in session? So yeah, I think you you're know, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when they're in session in Cheyenne, I like to be around. Uh, when, when nothing's happening in Cheyenne, I, I deal with national hunting stuff. So it, it's good. And and. I enjoy it, but, you know, if we can't keep our Second Amendment rights in Wyoming, boy, we're in trouble everywhere. <laughs> so when will we know about these? When's the session over and the dust settled? So they're they're required by the Constitution to only be in for 20 days in a budget year. So they started today. They, they go through March 8th, you know, five days a week. Um, they The bill has to make crossover about halfway through. So they got about two weeks to get these, the ones that are in the House, and most of them are in the House, all of them but Senate File 87 that Jason mentioned, they, they got to get out of the first chamber in two weeks. So essentially by the end of next week, if they don't get out, they're dead. Well, the reason hopefully I asked that— they will, Go ahead. Sorry. No, I'll just say hopefully they, they will cross over and be in the other chamber you know, before that or by that deadline. Well, the reason I asked that question is I'd like to lobby to have you back— as a wrap-up to find out how the dust settled out, if you're game. I would love to come back. I would, would be, be happy to do that and honored to do it, tell you guys how it shakes out. So uh, now, and we've spoken quite a few times on on this show, uh, especially about how we feel that, that GOA has really picked up the ball and ran with it in light of, uh, you know, all the troubles that the NRA is having. So those that want to, how do they become a part of GOA? You know, they um, go to gunowners.org and we check out our website. Uh, there's a there's a place on there where you can join. Uh, if and we we obviously that's, that's how we make our living. We need members and supporters. But even if you don't want to join, you can sign up for email alerts, and we'll we'll update you on the things we're doing in Washington and the the state capitals. Um, and I will give you my folks my email address if people want to email me directly. I actually can send them a 
discount code for a discounted membership. Um, and, and that's really simple. It's my name, Mark, M-A-R-K dot Jones at gunowners.org. And I'm happy to, if some folks will email you, you know, email me to send them a discount code for a membership, but. And we'll, we'll uh, put that, we'll put that up on the, on the website and, and, and in the, in the show files. Everybody yeah, listening, great. I don't care if you live in Wyoming or not, go get signed up with these folks. They're doing good work. You should. And thank, thank you, gentlemen. And, and we are, if they'll check out our website, they'll see all the battles we're fighting. You know, we haven't talked about Biden tonight, but we fight Biden all the time. Yep. Uh, all his executive orders and everything else he's trying to do. So we really are trying to protect, you know, our God-given right to keep and bear arms. Absolutely. And I'm going to peg you down for one more thing before we get out of here. Um, and you okay. and I have talked about this a little bit. Um, one of the things that we have talked about a little bit, um, Gun Owners of America, now we have a, we have a local um, gun rights group, but they're kind of a fraud. Um, and I'm talking about Wyoming gun owners. <laughs> <laughs> the giggle. That's all he can do is laugh. Um, it, it, be aware. Um, there, when, you, when you're signing up for, to, to support a gun rights group, make sure you know who you're signing up for. Now, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on with Wyoming gun owners? Yeah, well... You know, we don't publicly criticize other groups. I'll just say that, that they're not in any way affiliated with Gun Owners of America. And folks should do their homework. Uh, really understand who's doing what. And, um, you know, maybe they could talk to you or Jason privately if they really, really want to know what's going on. But, you know, we don't publicly criticize other groups, so... That's a safe play. Mm -hmm. I get it. A whole lot more than that. But do do your homework and understand that Gun Owners of America, we're in all 50 states, and and there's Wyoming Gun Owners is not affiliated with us at all. Okay. All right. Good to know because that's that's one thing that I have noticed in a a lot of their advertisements is they try and kind of make that connection a little bit. So just be careful. Do your research. And I guess at the end of the day – what the what this whole podcast has kind of been about is you know pay attention and get involved because it's the only way you're going to ensure the the right to keep and bear arms is not stolen piece by piece while you were looking the other way um get engaged guys and yeah until next week well well said uh jason people need to be watching out because a lot of politicians are willing to take your rights away while you're not not looking. Mm-hmm. Mark, I want to thank you for being on with us tonight. And like I said, uh, once this legislative session is shook out, we'll, we're going to get you back on for for an after action. Um, anything anything in closing? Anything you want to let our listeners know? You know, uh, support your watch what's going on in Congress. Uh, boy, this is the most hostile presidential administration in American history. And you need to demand that your representatives and senators push back against Biden, uh, particularly Republicans. I mean, there's not a lot of hope for some of the Democrats, but um, unless you're in a red state with somebody like Joe Manchin, but, but just pay attention and demand your federal people push back against Biden's overreach because it's unprecedented. Uh, that's what I would 
you know, in closing. And I don't want to end on a negative note because, hey, we, we, we're, we can win this fight for our rights, but we've got to all be banded together to do it. Agreed. Absolutely. So band together because I think uh, Benjamin Franklin said it best, we all hang together or we'll all hang se- separately. <laughs> Good quote, Dan Dome. And until next week, you guys stay involved and keep blaming your gun. <laughs>